Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights on a Fountain Town audio show. I'm Tom Reed on the eve of a massive relegation six-pointer v Bristol Rovers. I'm joined by three guys hoping the cobblers will be cooking with gas. It's Andy Bodfish, Martin Maloney and Ian Brunt. How are you doing guys? You okay? Oh, yeah, yeah all, all good. good. All good. Nervous weekend, I think. Yeah, literal squeaky bum time. The, that old cliche, the business end of the season, we're getting towards, <laughs> you know... Bargain basement territory, but we'll see what comes out of Saturday. Um, Andy, I was, don't know if you're going to talk about this on your football moment of the week, but I noticed um, that Ben Chilwell scored for Chelsea in Europe, the Porto, I think it was. And um, I was just looking at him as a player, and he played for um, Leicester. But I noticed that, I don't know if you know know this, but he came through the ranks at Russian Diamonds, your old playgrounds. And um, weirdly enough, before he signed for Leicester, he signed for Northants Cricket because he was a good cricketer. He signed for the academy there. Strange, isn't it? I didn't know that, actually. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when the word cricket is mentioned, my brain just zones, zones away, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really a leather on willow man. Um, but yes, I mean, just one of those annoying people that's probably good at everything. Yeah, he comes from Milton Keynes. I think he was sort of a colleague of um, Deli Alley and people like that. But Good goal uh, as well, wasn't it, the other night? Really good goal. Yeah, yeah. And played for the England sort of team and all the under twen- unders and stuff like that. And um, just obviously never was on the radar of Northampton, but oh, for football, but <laughs> signed for the Northampton Academy at cricket and played for Russian and Diamonds, I think, from the age of nine till 12. So, yeah, just a bit of a link to Russian there. I thought you might appreciate that. What's your football moment of the week, Andy? Probably the news, I would think, that um, they are going to be getting um, fans back into Euro 2020-21, whatever you want to call it. Because I was a little bit concerned. Funnily enough, you just mentioned the Chilwell goal, watching that the other night and buying against PSG, which was a great game. It's becoming all too normal now, watching those big matches with just can sound and just no one in the ground still. You know, so 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 much of a part of the the whole ex, you know big match experience. You know, even when you obviously not there and you're watching those big European nights on the telly, the the noise and the just that extra crackle around around the what's happening on the pitch. And obviously we're so sort of used to it now. Um, football's cracked on without spectators that 
I don't know. It's just even though they're going to be limited capacities, the fact that actual supporters in grounds, they're lining them up to, um, you know, they're lining spectators up for the Euro matches. seems like oh, a slow plod, but nevertheless a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, for me, football, there's that old cliche, football without fans is nothing, really has been proven by this pandemic I, I but we still watch, to watch it, a few we? games we still watch it and you still admire the Mbappe goals and yeah it doesn't affect the quality of what's on the pitch you know it's still that spectacle if you're a if you're a tv viewer um mm. but it's just that extra crackle we all know you know we all know about the imperceptible quality you know the, the big match thing and but it's it's just becoming normal now and having can sound yeah you know, you know, a, 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 a quick sound editor is just sort of fading the, you know, the cheers up immediately. And it's just such a an ersatz experience. Um, so the sooner, obviously, we get real bodies back into football grounds, the more normal things will start to seem, he mm. says, hopefully. It does make you wonder how many points cobblers have lost without fans basically just moaning at them from six field stands <laughs> because you can't underestimate that little groan from the six field stand when a ball goes awry. And I think it's some, in some ways it keeps players in check and maybe some of those draws or defeats might have turned into draws or wins. So you, you, it's hard to account for, but I reckon we might have lost a couple of points from just not having the backing of Cobblers fans as well. Obviously they can back um, the team. We were saying that there's that thing on Twitter about if you've, Held the handrail in the Grosvenor Centre, uh, the bus station, the old bus station, mouth of hell um, escalator, that you're immune anyway. And I think we can extend that to uh, the old county ground toilets. If you ever went for a wee in the county ground toilets, you're probably immune to most things. But <laughs> yeah, obviously that's a joke. You're not immune to anything. Just uh, to obviously be sensible. Yeah. Um, what's your football moment of the week, Martin? Um, well, on I often go for the, the big meaning, meaningful ones, Nat, but... For me, it, it's quite a simple one, really. Sunday got in from playing football. We had quite a, quite a brutal <laughs> Sunday league game. We ended up down to eight at the end. Got in, listened to Chelsea against West Brom. And West Brom murdered Chelsea. Oh, sorry, this was Saturday, rather. Got in from baseball training. So much on over the weekend. Uh, West Brom murdering Chelsea. And I think, you know, we sometimes we, we accentuate the bad stuff about the Premier League. But what is fantastic is that the second worst side in the Premier League can absolutely murder one of the best sides. It is so, so competitive. And for me, it's just like that. That is one of the great things about British football. It is or English, English football. It is so strong all the way down the tiers. Um, and that was just great to see. And then the following day, our, our goalkeeper on Sundays is a is a baggy, and you should have seen the smile on his face. <laughs> I should imagine so. I was looking at the um, the conference as well. That's really hotting up down in the conference. I think yep. that's one of the most competitive leagues, well, whether it's called now National League. Um, Sutton, I think, are top. Don't quote me on this exactly, but Sutton are top, who their manager, Matt Gray, who was linked to the Cobblers job when it was available, maybe still was linked to a full-time job if it ever goes full-time without John Brady. So they're top. Um there's loads of other teams that, you know, that have dropped down. And we talk about this a lot on this podcast about how difficult it is to get back up. But I think Hartlepool are making a late break for it. A team that we used to play regularly. 
Um, obviously, there's Wrexham. I think they're slightly outside. Uh, Torquay under Gary Johnson, they're doing pretty well. Um, and um, Stockport County as well. I thought that was pretty cool to see them because they've been through the mill. I don't know if you've followed them too much, but they've been through the mill all the way that quite far down in non-league and they're coming back up. Uh, do you sort of see that strength all the way down to the conference, Martin? Oh, for sure. For sure. It's, um, you know, you've got club, most of the clubs in the comp, in the National League are um, full-time. Um, semi-pro sides are paying decent money. They're paying decent money, not because necessarily, you know, they're run by idiots. Well, I'm sure there is the odd dodgy owner. But it's because, fan, you know, when we're allowed back, those clubs will be getting four, fi- four figures of fans. And I don't know that there's another country where kind of football... Uh, you know, every level is so ingrained in, in communities. And while we'd always mm. look at the things we see where stuff is taking a, um, you know, path that we don't like, it's what we've got is something bloody brilliant. And, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't lose sight of that in amongst all the all the other stuff. Yeah, I think the other two clubs are Notts County and Chesterfield, who very much old spying partners, Northampton. It's probably quite a... Uh, sort of sobering sort of lesson that you can drop down into non-league and as we said uh, difficult to pop back up but Gary Johnson just seems to be horses for courses he just seems to do quite well down in the west country maybe he's a big fish in a small pond down there and he can do what he needs to do but um, obviously it didn't work out too much in Northampton but yeah you're exactly right about the strength and depth of the leagues I've been critical in the past of the Premier League being in the hands of the, the big six, as it's called. But it just seems to, in the last couple of years, maybe due to COVID as well, maybe levelled the playing field a bit. But then you've got Man City, obviously, just spanking it. So money does talk eventually. But yeah, it's always nice to see teams like um, West Brom and uh, clubs of that ilk having a few scalps here and there. So that was a good one, Martin. Um, Ian, first up, give us a toad update because I got a really threatening email from the animal rights group, Peter. And they're basically, they said to watch your back, mate, because you're, you're not, you're not toad friendly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, no, this is no, no bodies of the frogs or t- I, I think they were toads around the back. Um, however, I think it was this week. Um, I was, we were going out somewhere and you know, we're going to the local park with the kids. And as we were going out the drive, there was a, I think it was a dead frog lying on the top of the road, and it looked like it had no sort of front arms. Um, and then it wasn't until I kind of started to, I picked it up with a spade um, and, it, and I realised it actually did have arms and it seemed to be like clutching something under its chest. Um, so whether or not that was a wound inflicted by myself when I slammed the door the week before or it was just a separate incident, I don't know. But I, find I thought you really... were going to uh, extrapolate and say what the frog was clutching in its hands, like a gold ring or something, and it was like some sort of... <laughs> Yeah, leprechaun toad, but um, you, 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 we can't we can't attribute that frog death to you. You were just being a good Samaritan uh, in the frog world and looking after it. No, so Peter, no, a... off your back now. Um, Ian, have you got a football moment of the week for us? Yeah, a few weeks ago you were talking about Saint and Greavesy when Paul Ian St John passed away, and what a great show it was. I tell you, Football Focus now the current version of Football Focus. I've been watching it here and there. It's not actually a bad. Program. I don't know if you guys ever watch it. It doesn't just concentrate on the Prem stuff. They talk about, you know, I suppose as part of the BBC's remit, they, they have some Scottish stuff on there and they sort of cover all angles of the game, like the community stuff. But there was a bit on there this week about James Coppinger. You know, he's 
played over 600 games for Doncaster and um, he's on the verge of retiring. Um, but he's kind of still a little bit hesitant, which, you know, 40 years old, again, it's that positive for the likes of, of us guys thinking, still a chance. If, if, if someone can play at League <laughs> One at that age, that's our age group, you know? But um, what a career he's had. Unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, 600 games for one club is just, you don't, you don't get that very often, do you? And he sort of puts me in mind of that Japanese guy, isn't he? Like 50, whatever, and he's still playing now, the oldest player in the world, isn't he? Oh, Kazumura. Um, yeah, he just won't ever retire, I don't think. He's just, just amazing. <laughs> just amazing. I mean, because I dug out a photo of him with Gaza at the, um, when Japan played at Wembley in like 1995. Yeah. And I mean, he was, he was, oh, God, I'm going to get this wrong and be a laughing stop, but he was something like 28, 29 then. <laughs> you know? And plus, um, I mean, it's my mate's birthday the other day, so we were, um, you know, texting him and whatnot. Uh, and it was, and then you look on Twitter, and it's the same day as Clarence Seydorf's birthday, and you know, same age. And I don't know about you guys, but at the time when you what, you never think, oh, he's I'm the same age as that guy. Mm. Uh, but now, when you see, oh, Clarence Seydorf is the same age as me, basically, you know, by a few months. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, it just becomes more striking. I hate to say oh, it, shit, Andy. Shit, what was Rob... I doing in 1995? He was on the bench in a Champions League fucking final. <laughs> I hate I hate to be a real pedant on age, but I reckon he's always been about the same age as you. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not good with numbers. I knew that something would go wrong. But Andy, as current Seedorf... Has Clarence Seedorf officiated one of the best ever karaoke Northampton TV challenges uh, uh, cheered by Rushton, you know? <laughs> Has he? Well, the thing is, looking at the date, like that night at uh, Cheers Bar Rushton, he would have... <laughs> he, was, he was at the San Siro. Ah, uh, you know. You know so it's that sort of juxtaposition, isn't it? So, um... Just quite striking, like, shit. Mm. I'm as old as Clarence Seedorf. <laughs> Like I, I said, of nothing. <laughs> like I said, yes, he he's not had the glory years of Northampton TV. He's never been to Enoch in his house. He's not, mate. Do you know what I mean? Right. He's he not had Enoch can spout off about um, David Seale. He's not had a go about David Seale to you. <laughs> <laughs> Atkins might have been the one that scouted him. So oh, you never know. Just, there's definitely a link there. She looked for the, the Atkins VHS collection in, back in 99. As usual, every episode I have, a, I completely lose what we're talking about. But um, yeah, oh, it's Andy's talking about the sort of ages of. I oh, know it's Ian, wasn't it? Talking about the ages of James Coppinger, who I think he's yeah. uh, talking about having a statue of him at the um, Doncaster. So yeah, it's just uh, one of those ones. Um, my football bite of the week is it's not really you know based in what's happening in the game, but I was just looking on Twitter and there's a guy called Ed Walker who um, tweets about, you've probably seen this, I think Jeff responded to it. Um, Ed Walker tweets a lot about the EFL and um, he tweeted, I can't be the only one who prefers to call stadiums by their proper names rather than the sponsored one. And he said, Valley Parade, Six Fields, um, various other ones. And uh, he was basically just saying that, you know, the PTS uh, Academy Stadium, the PTSD as a lot of Cobblers fans call it, they're just... You know, you can't get used to them, and you want to call right. them by their their real name. Is anyone else like that? 
Totally. So basically, I've got a little quiz for you uh, based on this this theme. And it is uh, basically, I'm going to give you some sponsored names of stadiums. And you've got to tell me what club it is. And not only that, if you can do that, you've got to tell me what the original name that a lot of people know it by uh, is. It'll, it'll, it'll make sense as I go through it. So let's, if you know it, just uh, let me know. So the first one is uh, Tony Macaroni Arena. The Tony um, Macaroni Arena. I've, I've worked around the corner from there. No. Yep, that, that will be Liv- Livingston. Yep. Do you know the original name of the stadium? It would be Almond View. Oh, I think it's Almond Vale, but I might be wrong. But that's pretty much spot on, Martin. <laughs> I'll have to check the the corner. <laughs> Is the stadium made out of pasta? No, it just looks fair, fairly plastic, like so many new stadiums. <laughs> it's like because you know, like um, the um, Forest Green are building those out of wood. I was just hoping it was actually made out of pasta, out of macaroni. Just for a while, I'll just interject here because I'll forget this anecdote. Was on um, there's a Scottish football show. Um, I found they've been doing um, a little piece on Clyde Bank. Yeah, if you can dig it out, it's well worth a look. Okay, what's the um, basic I'll, premise? I'll, of it? Yeah, I'll po- I'll po- I'll post it to you so we can probably probably share it because it's a it's a great watch. Okay, cool. Um, so the next one, Western Home Stadium. <clears throat> ah, that's Cole you. No. Is it not? Is it, it might is be Cole you as well, is it, but it is, is it Cambridge. We're close. No, it's close. Peterborough. It is Peterborough. Wash your mouth out. Uh, Otherwise known as London Road, Western uh, Home Stadium. We'll move on for that one quite quickly. All right, I'll give you one more. Uh, you might have known this. I'll give you a try on an easy one. Okay, let's go for this is for obscure stadium knowledge, if you get this well done. Uh, one call stadium, the one call, Midlands team, mining country. Oh, I was going to say Birmingham City, but it's not then. No. Mansfield Town. Yes. Well wow. done, And that would be Field Mill. Yes. Mansfield. Where we've been, in my time of going away since the 80s, we have been moved from one end to the other end of that oh. ground as away fans. Twi- I think we flipped twice just how they've got it organised there. Yeah, they kept changing their mind, didn't they? About yeah. what, which end they wanted the away end to be. Was it Field Mill where they had John Joe O'Toole day and it just went absolutely tits up? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if that had been a nondescript game, it would have been, you know, just for the history, him getting sent off right in front of us sort of, adds to the legend oh man yeah. i think he still cringes at that moment himself i've interviewed him i'm sure he cringes at that um i remember phil mill i think when i went to that game they used to have like one stand which was derelict down the left hand side yeah 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 definitely. well didn't um in the, in the famous playoff defeat when you know like just before the penalty shootout didn't um john taylor because he was, do you remember, he, he played... He went for a piss, didn't he? He did, didn't he? And it would... He he did. Like, yeah. <laughs> and like everyone was sort of so caught up in the drama of what was going on. Um, he snuck off. And I think he went where that derelict um, stand is. There's like a little bit of wasteland inside the ground. <laughs> and he just snuck off up there. So like, could he not have just quickly legged it down the tunnel? <laughs> so um, he went for a piss? Yeah. Yeah, just yeah went, into the, went into the stand with his back to us. It was... 
that we were at the at the other end, I think, to, to where we are now. So the derelict stand was to your right. And yeah, it just went into the kind of building area and at, were facing away from us, had a piss. Oh, my God. Do you think that was good that, or bad luck? I don't know. Probably bad luck overall. That is just that. I mean, just mentioning what Peterborough's ground now is. I mean, that is that exactly backs up. Um, the fact that we were all just, I oh, don't know, really. That just exactly backs up what you were saying at the start and how it's like, pfft, could be anywhere. I don't know, though, that it's that it's that pernicious because I think as football supporters, we'll still refer to London Road to Steve. You know, maybe we don't know the, the exactness, but I, I think as football supporters, if it's your own club, we still refer to Sixfields. The club yeah. want to brand it as PTS and, you know, that's publicity for PTS. You know, they're putting money into it and the club will put on all the official stuff. I don't think it means that we're having anything taken away from us. It's just simply it's it's a sponsorship opportunity for them and fans will still call it what fans call it. I think the one that really intrigues me is what would you say about Stoke? Which, of course, it was the or, or Bolton because they built new grounds with a sponsor yeah. Both of which are sponsored, I think, um, you're both sponsored by different people now. But, you know, Stoke will always be the Britannia and yeah. Bolton will always be the Reebok. The other one's Coventry, because I don't even know if, I mean, because Wasps play there now, don't they? The, the, but they've always just called it the Rico. And I mean, yeah. it's a photocopier company, isn't it? The Rico. They've got, yeah. and they've got an office up near here. I mean, they're, they're always going to call it that. Again, it's, it's probably something really. Um, to do with the semantics of the actual name of the, the sponsor, because the Britannia almost could have been a Dickensian named stadium, couldn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It could almost have been nothing to do with sponsorship. It, just and, like and an oldie, worldy work, just really quite random. And otherwise, they only stand out if it's just crazy, like Johnny Rocks. I mean, that, that, yeah. Out, didn't it? And for a while, didn't um, York, they, they renamed it Kit Kat Crescent, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, someone, yeah, used right, play, yeah. someone used to play at the Chip Bowl. Who was that? McCain Stadium, Scarborough. Yeah. Stadium, yeah. yeah. If you're gonna do it, if you if you're lower league, you can go a bit down market, and everyone can have a bit of a laugh about it because everyone kind of remembers Johnny Rock. No one, like like you said, no one's gonna remember Peterborough's. I've already forgotten it. You know exactly, exactly. <laughs> do you reckon um, the Stoke City one was actually sponsored by that pub down near the canal in the uh, Britannia? we talked about this time if you didn't go to chicago's on a sunday night that was the other cool place to go on a sunday night wasn't it go to the brit britannia yeah, it was popping i still wonder with Coventry why a fairly nondescript photocopy company wanted to, to sponsor a massive arena it's just like I do you reckon there was like some maverick in the marketing I, department <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, who was like, like you say, these people spend their life in conference centres, so they base things on where they are. So, like, they were probably sitting in the office and they looked at a photocopy and thought, yeah, that's it. We'll get them to sponsor. <laughs> we'll contact the photocopy of people. No, but they, I think it was going to be Jaguar, wasn't it? And I think, and I think um, Jaguar pulled out. But yeah, I mean, that's which would have been quite... more of an iconic Midlands em- West Midlands employer. Yeah. Which, mm, I mean, Especially for Coventry, whose his whole history is based on like the motor industry, isn't it? That city, mm-hmm. like it was, yeah. So you know what I mean? It would have, it would have, it'd be like if we'd have got like churches or, or someone to sponsor us. But mm-hmm. there you go. 
maybe in the future show we could do who our next sponsor should be and we should think of an iconic Northampton brand. Chicago's <laughs> Istanbul Chef. Istanbul the Chef. Flames Arena. What was that, Andy? The Flames Arena. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, that could have legs. Well, I, I like the sound of it already. Imagine that, like, it would just strike fear into the heart of opposition, wouldn't it? We're going to the Flames Arena, lads. Bab Shop in Town Stadium. Yeah, i tell you what, Riley's missed a trick, didn't they, in the mid-90s. <laughs> Riley's Stadium. Riley's, perfect. Riley Fields. Oh. Up all night kebabs? Up all night stadium? Yes. Up all night. Oh, man, we're, we're burning a feature here we're going to need in the summer. <laughs> right. This is right. the A grade. This is the golden stuff, Martin. Let's not go through it. Although I remember one time I um this uh, I can imagine the poor I'm gonna make an apology to the poor staff at Up All Night Pizza or Kebab or whatever it was. One time I called up and they were closing, and um I was drunk and uh, I was just basically saying that you're just against the Trade Description Act because you're not up all night, you're closing. <laughs> and at the time I thought it was quite funny. They must have gone yeah. on for about 15, 20 minutes. And these poor people must have been like, oh, not another tosser. So uh, formal apology to Up All Night. And we'll just give you a, a free sponsorship of Sixfields as a recompense. So, yeah. Um, so then let's move on to yet another relegation six-pointer for the Cobblers, this time against Bristol Rovers. I'm pleased to be joined again by gas fan Kaz May. Let's face it, Kaz, this is El Crapico in the making. And it could go down to who is the least worst of the two teams, do you reckon? Yeah, it's a, it's a nervy one for sure. Biggest game of the season for both of us, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just trying to work out. I know how bad Northampton Town are, but I just need to get the insight into just how bad Bristol Rovers are to be down where you are. And yeah, t- tell me the worst traits of your side at the moment. Um, oh God, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to be honest, with Rovers, it's we're always bound to concede. We'll always concede a goal. Our defence is so weak. Um, it's summer that we've we've needed to work on all season and we just haven't really strengthened. Um, yeah. Set pieces, I would say, are our, a bit of Achilles heel in our squad. Um, we've conceded so many goals from set pieces. Um, so the main aim for us is just not give away free kicks and corners, otherwise we're doomed. And yeah. uh, lack of goal scoring again. So it's at both ends of the pitch. And there was a poll on Twitter the other day from a, a Rovers fan who said, who do we blame? Do we blame the attack or do we blame the defence? And to be honest, it's quite a big dilemma because they're both to blame. Um, yeah. And yeah, you kind of you kind of think, well, what can the defenders do if they can't rely on their attackers? You've got Brandon Hanlon, you've got Jonah Younger. Neither of them look like 20 goal a season strikers. Um, we didn't strengthen in the January transfer window when we desperately needed a striker. Mm. So we're lacking goals, but we're also leaking goals. So it's it's, it's both really. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like quite a bad combination. I guess from Northampton end, for any Bristol Rovers fans listening, we're just absolutely useless at scoring. We're literally the lowest goal scorers in the league. Uh, we saw a sat- stat on um, Twitter the other day that if we fail to score against you guys or any any point during the rest of the season, it will break the record for the most number of goals, uh, games that have gone goalless for Northampton. Wow. So we're um, it's quite a sort of record to be on the brink of with about six games left so it's likely that record is going to be beaten so we just can't really score we'll go like two or three games without a goal then we had the odd win and we were just sort of having a laugh before we went on air that clubs like us at the moment they just drag you back in when you're just starting to care you know losing 
care for the football and stuff and you're thinking about your summers and your summer and what you're going to do they just drag you back in with one win and it's, it's terrible isn't it really <laughs> yeah I think we're quite similar with that as well because didn't you win at 4-0 or something or 4-1 against Portsmouth and we did the same thing against Accrington and where has that come from yeah <laughs> just it's the games you don't expect to win and like you said just drags you straight back into it and then you start having to pay attention again because you're right back in the mix of survival <laughs> Yeah, and one of our fans on our podcast, he's Mr Optimistic, he's started joking that we are mathematically not uh, out of the playoffs. So, <laughs> so there you go, just this crazy optimism that we've, we've no base in reality. I think that's what a low league fan is all about, isn't it, really? Yeah, you've got to be, you've got to be, otherwise it's just depressing, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Um, I looked at your last three games. Um, you mentioned you beat Doncaster 2-1 in what was a Pretty big win, really. Um, before that, lost 2-1 to Ipswich and 1-0 to Sunderland. Now, do you reckon you got a couple of the tougher ones out of the way and that Doncaster win gives you a little bit of confidence? Do you know what? I said to my friends on Saturday, I said, that's exactly, that's the best way it could have gone for us, to be honest. If we had played Doncaster, say, when we played Sunderland and we had that first and then we won and then we had two tough fixtures after and then we lost the next two, then we set ourselves up the wrong way. Whereas this time... We've got two difficult fixtures out of the way. I mean, Sunderland absolutely flying. I mean, I yeah, to even yeah. lose one nil narrowly, I was quite impressed with, to be honest, because I thought we were going to get hammered. Uh, yeah. It's switch a difficult one. Um, Paul Cook's not done great since taking over there, but then they're still up up amongst it. They still got a very good squad. Um, and had we played a little bit longer that game, I think we probably would have equalised. But another one that we just discarded, we knew we weren't going to get a result. Um, and then Doncaster came around a team that are off form, um, and thankfully we got a win out of that. And then I think, yeah, like you said, this will set us up now for the next few fixtures, which are slightly easier. Um, so it, it is the best way it could have gone um, to give us that confidence to kick on and hopefully, um, yeah, continue this this run that we're about to go on. Mm, I looked at your running and I've looked at our running. We'll get to that sort of towards the end. Neither are particularly easy, I've, I've looked at. Um, the first game back in October, it just seems a world away, really, with this lockdown. Uh, Rovers won 2-0. Because I remember you were slightly worried about that game, but um, you actually did the business with goals from Brendan Hanlon, I think, and Jack Baldwin. Yeah. Since then, we've both changed managers. Um, yeah. Can you tell me the difference from back in October in terms of, you know, any changes that um, your new, your new uh, manager has brought in or you know in terms of the the players as well crikey well that was under Ben Garner that game uh, where we beat you 2-0 and like yeah. to be honest I mean I didn't think we were particularly good I just thought Northampton were poor um, in my honest opinion um, yeah. so yeah we've actually had three people in charge since Ben Garner so we've had Paul Tisdale we had Tommy Woodrington who was temporary in charge between appointments and now we've got Joe Barton so mm. actually we've had three people since then um, so it's yeah, absolutely crazy. And obviously a lot of tactics have changed and things have changed and formations and starting 11. And it's been a bit of a mess of a season, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. But I do believe if we had kept Ben Garner for a bit longer, um, then we probably would have been safe. Um, don't think we would have been flying by any means, but I think he probably would have got us out of it. Um, only because this is his squad and uh, these players signed to play under him and we had glimpses where we looked a good side. And I think tinkering too much with the managers is what's knocked these players a little bit to be honest yeah. um but the difference between Joe Barton and Ben Garner is Joe Barton has a bit more of like a hungry performance um he gets the players stuck in we're seeing challenges from players that we never thought they would have made before um yeah. he's 
putting in players that he thinks care rather than players that have the ability. So he's started to play um, Zane Walker and Pablo Martinez, which are two youngsters that are coming up through the academy. Um, they've been really impressive. Um, so he's sort of, in his words, he's starting to cut the cancer out of the club, which is pretty brutal, but honest words from Joey. Um, and he... Yeah. He basically he wants to get people fighting for the shirt, whereas under Ben Garner, it was all about technical ability and trying to pass the ball along the floor and, and walk the ball into the net, whereas this is getting a bit more stuck in, get it up to the strikers, give it a good go sort of style of play. So expect mm. them to be quite boisterous, um, yeah, quite physical um, under Joey and, yeah, definitely a different kind of performance. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It was a shame on many levels, I guess, that Ben Garner didn't last because I remember talking to you and it's sort of bringing it back to me now that he was, although fairly inexperienced, looking at maybe the medium term and the style he wanted to play with Rovers and trying to put some things into place. But as we said at the time, that the, the patience of fans and the patience of many club owners now is so paper thin that it's hard to sort of lay down those those stones. And a lot of the stuff you're telling me about, um, you know, Joey Barton, it seems short term in terms of you know how long is you know just getting people's faces gonna gonna last it might keep you up I guess but it just seems like maybe you've gone a step back bringing Joey Barton in and Joey Barton's gonna have to put something into place to try and keep you in league one and kick you on again do you know what I mean yeah, I think the board know that they've made a bit of a mistake here. If they were going to sack Ben Garner, they should have done it in the summer before he had a transfer window. I don't think they should yeah. have let him have a summer, sign all of these new players, get them playing how he wants them to play for 10 games and then sack him. And then, if you, OK, if you're going to sack him, fine, but then don't bring in Paul Tisdale, bring in yeah. someone a bit more ambitious. Um, no offence to Paul, but he hasn't got much experience in League One. He's not a proven League One manager. Mm. He had a bad run. Um, and then it was a bit of panic stations. We've got to get someone else in. Joey, I do think, was the right appointment. Um, but what is he to do with this team that's not his? He hasn't had a transfer window. He's yeah. having to deal with what he's got, which is why, like I said, he started to br- bring up players through the academy, you know, getting them starting because the players that he's got are just useless, to be honest with you. <laughs> he can't mm. do a lot. He can't work miracles. So he can try his very best. Um, but yeah, none of this is particularly Joey's fault. Yeah, it sounds similar to Keith Cole, who's our obviously our manager, now Oldham, he was given first half of the season, given the January transfer window was pretty um, not a great idea because he just took up all of the transfers and then got sacked pretty much straight away. John Brady has come through from the youth team and he's trying his best with what he's got. But like you say, they're not his players. They're, mm. they're been bought for a different style of play and a different tactical setup in mind. So they're just trying to play the best with the hand they're given. Got any players that are doing a job at all at the moment? Any ones that we can look out for? Might put in a performance on Saturday? Um, well, Luke McCormick um, has scored three out of his last... Uh, yeah, three goals in his last two games. So he scored against Ipswich and he scored two against Doncaster. He is mm. uh, he's our number 14. He's a bit of an attacking midfielder type role. Um, yeah. So he's on loan from Chelsea and he is... He's going to be a future star for sure. Um, you could He's one of those. He's just far too good for League One. Um, yeah. I, I will eat my hat if we manage to keep hold of him because he's absolutely brilliant. Uh, mm. So definitely him. And uh, Luke Leahy as well, who is surprisingly our top scorer. He's our left back. <laughs> I mean, that sort of says it all, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah. It? Um, yeah. But yeah, Luke Leahy is our left back. Um, a lot of people uh, you know, argue that he's, he's 
made a few mistakes at the back, but for me, it's the amount of ground that he covers and uh, how he drives forward and how he gets himself in those positions to score goals. I mean, he's our top goal scorer. You can't really argue that he's done well this season. Um, and I mean, Jack Baldwin is uh, in, in defence, seems to be improving under Joe Barton. Um, Josh Grant, if he comes back, another one that's improved under Joe Barton. We might have three players coming back from injury, um, which would be a massive boost for us. Uh, mm. Alex Rodman is um, vital in the front three. So if he comes back, um, he's one to look out for. And Dane Westbrook as well, actually. God, I'm like reading off half the team. I say that. I think they're great. Um, <laughs> Dane Westbrook, he uh, assisted. McCorvick twice on Monday um so yeah he's another one but to be honest we're so inconsistent I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. rave about a player one week and it'll be absolutely awful the next yeah. week so um yeah mm. I take it with a pinch of salt to be honest mm. it could be a case of well hopefully it will be the case of they're good on paper but not on the pitch on Saturday I remember when we were bringing together our side for the season do you remember it might have been the same at the gas that you were signing people and you were like, this is a great sign and everyone was getting really excited. <laughs> and now you look back on it and think, why were we getting excited by these bunch of losers? Like, I don't, I just don't get it. The only yeah. one that I would, to be fair, we've got a couple of good players like Keo Sose on loan from Luton, the right back. He's one to look out for. He's very combative. Um, Ryan Watson's our really only standout player, I would say. And he's been carrying the team for a good number of weeks now. He's a box and box bin fielder and he's our top scorer. Our strikers can't hit a barn door at the moment, so <laughs> worry about them too much. But I think it's coming to the stage where, and we'll talk a, a, little, in, a little bit about the run-ins, that someone has to turn match winner in this game on Saturday for overside. Someone really has to step up and just find it within themselves to, to do something because just trying to play, can't speak for Rovers, but just trying to play our general game, we're just not creating enough chances and not scoring enough. So... Yeah. Is it similar with Rovers that there's some nice football here and there, but it's just toothless up front? We literally sound like the clone of each other's team. We really yeah. do. We did have the same thing in the summer. I called it the best transfer window I can ever remember in the summer. I said that. Exactly. And I and I remember seeing the likes of like Zane Westbrook come through. Max Aimer, I was excited about captain from Gillingham. He's been the worst player this season. Thankfully, he's out for the rest of the season, to be honest. He's awful. Um, yeah. ha even Hanlon, I was excited about. Oh, he looks a handful. And yeah, just absolutely nothing. I, the words I've used on occasion is, spineless and toothless and I just yeah we, we just lack that any creativity um gutless is another one uh you're welcome to use those if you I like. don't know how your players um, are standing without all these vital organs and, and <laughs> the calcium no. deficiency in Bristol Rovers <laughs> honestly you've got a question if they've got anything about them sometimes but um yeah, yeah that, and it, it is also I found a lack of passion and a lack of fight I think it has to be a mental thing with them as well. I think they are yeah. good players. We've seen glimpses. They can do it. We've pulled out results like 4-1 against Accrington and 3-0 against Plymouth, 4-2 against Wimbledon. We pulled out those results on, on occasion, but then we just fall short the next game. And I don't know if it's just in their heads, if it's a bit of complacency, if it's lack of self-belief, because like you said with yours, the, the quality is there somewhere. We're just not getting the best out of them. Um, and Saturday's game, yeah, it's so big. I think whoever wins is going to relegate the other one, to be honest. I think that's what it's going to come down to. It's definitely going to be, like you say, a, a big blow, whoever lose, loses. We said that against Wimbledon, actually, and Wimbledon got a last gasp winner and then we, you know, come back and win the next game. But I think it's getting, there's so few games now left and we'll go on now to the run-in that whoever loses this is going to be banging trouble. Um, you've got 
correct me if I'm wrong, you've got Cobblers on Saturday and then you've got Lincoln, yeah, Milton Keynes, uh, yeah. Portsmouth, Crew and Blackpool. Now, you were saying that there's some easier games to come. Like, I think that's quite a tough run in, personally. Yeah. Well, when I say easier, I mean, like, to be honest, no game's easy, to be honest. But yeah. I'm sort of thinking a bit more, low, like, lower down the table, like MK Dons, like Crew. Uh, Blackpool's going to be particularly tough, because unless unless they've secured playoffs, then they might rest their first team and play the kids, fingers crossed. Um yeah. That's the thing about the final day is you don't know what the opposition team, what situation they're in, if they're gonna just gonna give the kids a run out. So like that's always an interesting one to look out for. But if they yeah. are still chasing the playoffs, then that's gonna be a really tough game. Um, Portsmouth, yeah, never an easy place to go to is at Fratton Park, but there's no fans there, um, and they have a tendency to to fall off the wagon when it when the pressure's on them. Mm. And we beat them three one at home. So again, yeah, promising signs. Um, and Lincoln, we beat under Ben Garner as well. We beat them away. Um, so they're all, in my mind, winnable games. We've we've done it before with some of them. Um, and the other ones, you know, they're going to have nothing to play for. or They're a bit lower down the table. Um, so, I, yeah, I might be a bit optimistic in saying that. But I do think a lot of them are winnable. Um, and we don't need to win them all. We just need to win a few because it's so tight down there. Um, yeah. And I'm confident that some of the other teams are going to struggle to to get wins um so i'm thinking we could scrape it based on that but that's just me with my optimistic head on mm, i think for sure both teams will get the odd point when they don't expect it in this run in mm. and that sort of tends to happen even when you've completely given up the ghost they'll always pick up a point here yeah and in a game you don't expect it often especially with Northampton, will be a you know a, a really good team and then lose against a terrible one so um that's probably gives you know you as a rovers fans hope hope rovers fan hope as well um cobbler's run-in is rovers on saturday then peterborough our local rivals who are just a very good side on their day which we don't really want to be playing <laughs> season. Our, our running is terrible really we've got ipswich after that who are about to be playing better under paul cook gillingham Probably the most winnable on paper, but they're still. They've got Vidal Oliver used to play for us up front, and he's just uh, he's banging in at the moment. He's very tearing it up. Yeah. Yeah, that was the biggest loss for us this season. We lost him and just uh, didn't replace him. So. That was, uh... Oh, we are so similar. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Blackpool, same as you. That was a penultimate game. So hopefully, it might be similar that they're in the playoffs by then, but maybe not because they might still have to try and secure something on that. Second to last game, and then Sunderland to the like the world's worst last game. Um, but maybe it might be like you said that Sunderland are already promoted by then, or yeah. you know, so might just take their foot off the gas. But even Sunderland with their foot off the gas, to excuse the <laughs> Bristol Rovers based pun, is um, still a difficult proposition. So, like a lot of our fans are sort of they might not say it, or some have said it, but they sort of think we're just down already. But just by because of the run in. Not even taking Rovers into account, just a lack of goals. It's, there is definite pessimism there. But yeah. if we can get a three points against you guys on Saturday, then try and have a hard, hard fought game in the Derby v Posh, maybe get a draw out of that. It's just sort of it keeps the hope alive, but it it all falls back to, doesn't it, this Saturday's game and mm. what happens in that. So I'm going to have to ask you for a match prediction now. It's, it's a difficult one. Um, oh. <laughs> What do you reckon? Yeah, oh, it's, it is difficult. And like just touching on what you said just then, I always think it's better to be the team at this stage 
in the relegation zone trying to get out of it than the team that are out of it and watching their backs. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah. Um, but I, I would rather be where we are now and and climbing up out of it than having the pressure on us from, from looking over our shoulders. But um, yeah. this Saturday, yeah, it's going to be really tough. Um, I'm slightly optimistic based on the fact that we've just come off the back of a win and you've just come off the back of a loss. Um, yeah. So yeah. I'm going to say we're going to take that momentum with us. McCormick's on fire. We've got a couple of players back from injury, which are going to be a massive boost for us. Chocola's back in goal. It's going to be it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Based on you saying that you can't score, I'm going to say a one nil Rovers, and it'll be a penalty. It's it will be it'll be tight. It'll be tight. Oh, Luke goal. Leahy penalty. Yeah. I mean, um, oh god, it's hard. I would say about our previous loss to Hull. I'm not saying that they sort of sort of rested in that game after we went a couple of goals down but I don't wouldn't I wouldn't say just by watching it we were putting in everything against Hull so there might be something left in the tank against mm. you guys but like I said scoring is a massive problem but I'm just hoping there will be players that emerge people like Ryan Watson maybe on the strikers find their scoring boots and I'm just I'm usually quite pessimistic in these match predictions just by sheer you know, level-headed evaluation of how bad we are. But I'm just hoping now, I'm just going to go with 2-1 Northampton. So I'm hoping, yeah, I'm just hoping that someone produces something from somewhere. They're in League One, you know, they're paid to play in League One, so they can, on their day, do the business like we have done against Portsmouth and people like that. But, you know, that's more in hope than expectation. I don't want to end on too pessimistic a note. Hopefully you enjoy the game anyway. Hopefully it's a bit of an end-to-end one. We always like those sort of games. And um, hopefully, somehow, miraculously... We both stay up. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to have no fingernails left by the end of Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be better just to not watch it and just go out or something or do something. You can't do a lot, can you? Stuck in stuck inside all the time. No escape from it. But uh... yeah, exactly. I tried to do that for the Sunderland game and I really wanted to check my phone. I was like, I just want to know. I was out for a walk and I went yeah. the whole whole 90 minutes without checking. And uh, yeah, to be honest, it didn't really change much. I was still really nervous so yeah. <laughs> might as well just watch it well the pubs will be open soon you'll be able to go to the pub and just forget about it <laughs> drown my sorrows exactly, exactly. yeah numb the pain <laughs> but anyway it's good talking to you um, enjoy the game on saturday and we'll catch up ho- hopefully afterwards and uh sort of have a post-mortem of whoever's lost or whatever but um take it easy and i'll speak to you soon and you thanks so much for having me on no worries take it easy let's move on quickly because we've been talking for a while we need to fit in this little segment about the unofficial 11 we put it out on twitter we're going to do a position a week so we've gone for goalie this week the most underrated cobblers players of all time so not necessarily players that are going to just roll off the tongue but players that you thought were underrated as goalie i wanted to start before we read out um some of the readers ones with um peter glisher actually i'm gonna go to martin on this one (laughs) because um Martin, to be fair, Martin was quite fair about Peter Glacier, but did you not say that he was called Dracula, Martin? I think he was certainly referred referred to as, as Dracula for his um kind of <laughs> weakness on on crosses or aversion to crosses, perhaps was the um, <laughs> the most appropriate. But I think you know with, with Glacier, it was I was of an age, you know, I was born in seventy three, so I was eighty five. I'm I'm eleven, twelve. When we're singing England's number one, has he come out? I'm like, yeah. You know, I'd be, seems like the best goalkeeper in England to me. I was thinking maybe he was called Dracula <laughs> because Tony Ansel experimented with garlic on his... Um, his no, or, or if he'd have looked like Ray Reardon, perhaps. <laughs> it would have worn a cape. Tony <laughs> Ansel was like, 
we're going to try some garlic on these um, hot dogs with onions this week. And then, oh, poor old Peter Gleesher just jumped out of the way of one. And that's why we call Dracula. But no, it's down to his poor handling of crosses. But I think the point I was trying to make was, is that although, you know, he wasn't a complete goalie, he was still part of that really good side. So maybe you could say he was underrated. Maybe. I don't know. I think sometimes you, when you've got a really good side. Yeah as good as the 86-87 the side was, you could probably carry some passengers. And certainly, a bit like we joked earlier that, you know, Peterborough don't need to worry about Christy Pym being out for the season when they're playing us. They can just play without a keeper. And, you know, that season, to be fair, we let, you know, we did let quite a few in as well. You know, it's just the fact we, were, we scored over 100 that um, meant we romped the, romped the league by nine points. I was wondering if you're... Carrying passengers quit was to do with Peter Gleeshaw being a driving uh, instructor, wasn't it? <laughs> it's a good point. Was he was a driving instructor. Maybe that's what Martin meant. Maybe he was saying he was he was England's number one driving instructor. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sort of name that these independent driving schools have. I mean, and it could be a cobbler's thing from the eighties because obviously we've, we've talked about Frankie Belfon, haven't we, as well? Yeah. A cobbler's driving school eleven. That's our next thing. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you think, don't you think Woody was a bit like that though? Like Woody said on that on that podcast I was talking about the other week, um, he wasn't the best keeper. He didn't have a great career before he was at the Cobblers, but mm-hmm. when he had like Warburton and Sampson in front of him and the, the team playing the way they played, he was kind of very well protected. So he didn't have to be the best goalie in the world, you know. Mm. And I think, I that think maybe Woody was slightly self-deprecating because I think he actually was pretty decent for us as well he was a bit of a confidence goalie wasn't he I think he was mm. a confidence player I think if he got on a good yeah I think I think when he had like defenders like that in front of him he probably did feel like you know he could lift his game a bit as well mm, yeah that's, that's for that's for sure um let's go through some of the readers ones I'm not going to decide on a underrated goalie because I think maybe if you're underrated it's hard to sort of pin one down there's been quite a few but I'll just read out some of the ones that are have been tweeted in. Um, Mark Beresford, don't know if he's any relation to a Cobbler's goalie, actually, or ex-Cobbler's goalie. Um, he said, Barry Richardson always stood out for me. We didn't realise how good he was until Billy Stewart rocked up in sticks and was terrible. I also thought Keith Welch was so good, we almost took it for granted. Is, um, is, that, is that Mark Beresford or is that Marlon Beresford? No, Mark. But Mark Beresford is Mark. the tweeter. Marlon was an ex-Cobblers goalie. Mark Beresford tweeted us this. Um, gotcha. We, we, we bumped into Mar- uh, Marlon Beresford on, in, in the airport, at, I think, Birmingham. A few years ago, we were going over to a... Um, yeah. Um, we were going to a wedding in Poland, and we were there. And because me, me brother-in-law is from Lincoln, um, he knew Marlon quite well. And he's like, oh, yeah, it was Marlon Beresford. Hey, you play for you lot. <laughs> If I could so, say Keith Welsh that Mark mentioned there, I mean I, I don't agree at all on Richardson. I have to I have to say I think it was great fun that you know he's a, he's a good goalkeeping coach now and sounds like a really great bloke um, from what I think Craig Adams told us f- a few months ago. But I don't think he was one of you know particularly underrated. I think he was a, a player who held his own in a terrible side. Keith Welsh though, bloody brilliant for I think Rochdale he went to Bristol City for a lot of years and we only got him I think two years and he gave up because of injury best keep, best keeper I ever saw at the Cobblers by a mile I, I thought he was amazing yeah because you've heard you talk about Keith Welsh before yeah. and it's not that anyone said he was bad you know yeah you know, cause I think, you know if, you, if you chucked in Gleesh or um 
Richardson, you've probably got to make an argument for it because some people think they were good, some think they were not so good. But with um, with Welsh, no one would have thought he was anything other than very good. I just don't think, and maybe it's because he was in a couple of fairly average sides, I don't think people realise just how good he was, at least my view, better than better than anyone else we've had. And I do remember the, the mention of Billy Stewart was great because I always thought Billy Stewart had such great games against us for Chester. And when we signed him, I was like, he looks really good every time we play him. And God, he was terrible. Martin, is he filed under not very good? Uh, genuinely not good at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick up for Barry Richardson, though, not least because of that story about the uh, alleged proposal in the nightclub in the 40s, whatever it no, was. I, so I that... swear I didn't dream that. <laughs> we'll get him to answer that one day. Um, but, yeah, I think he, I think you could say he was underrated, actually. I'm going to stick up for him because um, he played in some very dark days and put in some strong performances. And he also led from the back as well. So I can see where Mark Beresford's come in from on that one. Um, Ali, 1973 tall, but this is um, a player who's mentioned quite a lot on this podcast, but, you know, really didn't get to show what he could do. Ron Robert Zila. Now, I can completely see where Ali's coming from and being underrated because he went and won the bloody World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> how many players have won the World Cup for Cobblers? I think that's a trivia question. I think he's the only one, as far as I know. So, um, yeah, Rob Robert-Zeeler's definitely one. Uh, I'll go through some of them, just reel a few off. Um, Tom Foster, Paul Richobka. I think he was here for a couple of games, but it was pretty good. Probably yeah. most, I think. Uh, Jason Steele, likewise, went on to become a really good goalie. has a good career. Um, this is quite a controversial one for me, because I really didn't like this goalie, Chris Dunn. Um yeah, I remember that game against Burton where he had an absolute shambles. Would, would anyone agree that Chris Dunn, um, Phil Kirby said Chris Dunn was underrated? I mean, I remember, didn't Cambridge have a good FA Cup run um, a few years ago? Yeah. And um, I think Dunn played reasonably well um, in one of their games. And I remember sort of people saying, oh, it's Chris. And he's another one, isn't he? He's like, we remember him as being a young lad, just signed kind of senior papers and played yep. for us but yeah he wasn't he he was a bit he wasn't that great was he mm. but um yeah to be fair he did play like well for Cambridge as you've said um for a bit and stuff so I can sort of see where he's coming from and maybe um if you look at the goalie situation now we probably we probably accept someone like um Chris Danso that's sort of a reasonable one um Fraser McCormack's tweet tweeted us and ruled off quite a few so he's gone for Matt Duke who was Decent goalie, Matt Ingram, Lee Nichols, and Lee Harper. Um, does anyone want to say anything about Lee Harper? Because that was a bit of a contentious one. Because I know Mark Bum was coming through at the time. Um, allegedly punched a hole in the door. Maybe no, that, that wasn't that wasn't allegedly. That that was well documented because he was out for quite a while, wasn't he, when he did that? Um, <laughs> but he with him, I think someone said in our. Um, sorry to keep referring back to our WhatsApp chat, listeners. Um, it was Jake, maybe wasn't if you, it? If you if you join our Patreon, you can buy a slot in it. Um, but I think it was like Jake said, didn't he? That that um, that Bun was doing so well. Everyone was talking about how what a great keeper he was, and it almost felt like they were waiting for Harper to make a mistake, so we had a re- an excuse to to drop him. And and I think the game when he did make the mistake, didn't he? Didn't he either handball it outside the area and give away something or? Didn't he? He made he made a mistake. I remember, and and it, it cost us a, a goal, and that was it. He was out, and I don't think he ever played again. Mm. Yeah, 
one of those um one of those difficult ones. I still think he um follows the cobblers. He's tweeting about cobblers quite a lot as well. And well, he, he he was he clean sheet record. He was the goalie when we got that when we broke the record for clean sheets. He was he was a really good keeper. Didn't he play against Manu as well? Saved a penalty against Forlan, didn't he? Not many players do that. I always thought Forlan was a brilliant striker, so to save a penalty yeah. off him was pretty good. So, yeah, I think um, he defies opinion a bit, but he played quite a long time for the Cobblers. And I was looking back at some of the goalies, and goalies tend to be in position for quite a few years. And he was, Lee Harper was in position for quite a few years and did the business over quite a few seasons. So I can see why Jake was quite sort of keen on him to say that he was underrated I think Jake actually said that he wrote into the Chronicle because Jefferson Lake had been a bit um, a bit harsh on Lee Harper so yeah. Lee Harper Jake's got your back there mate um, I'll just read out before we sign off we're looking forward to the game on Saturday uh, not really but I'll just read a couple of, of other ones um, Alan Stalin that's going back into the 60s 70s I should think um, Neil Kitson do you yes. remember this American guy Neil Kitson yes. uh, saved two penalties two penalties in the space of a fortnight, didn't he? Yeah, when he, he came very late in the season and, and then he disappeared over the summer. I think he was at, he was he was pining for the States and he went back home. I remember I tweeted him and he retweeted. I said, you're my favourite American since Tom Selleck. And he retweeted it. <laughs> he probably, he's so young, he probably didn't even know who Tom Selleck was. You know what I mean? But it was a nice... Well, yeah, it was a cobbler's keeper from the early 80s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was Neil Kitson in that season of five goalkeepers where they all got injured? I think you're right. Yeah. I think Kitson feeds into another one, which I remembered and uh, we talked about a little bit, called Freddie Hall. And I think they might have been around the same time. Um, Freddie Hall was um, a Bermudan goalie that turned up at Cobblers. How many games did he play? Three. So that just says it. Um, Played three games. I don't know if it was the same time as Kitson, but um, obviously from North America. So Frederick Hall came to us from the Bermuda Hogs, spelt H-O-G-G-E-S. Now that's a team to sort of uh, reckon with. He, um, before that, played for the Quinnipiac Bobcats, which again sounds like one of those names that I made up from Martin's quiz. And <laughs> after he left Northampton, he went to Toronto FC, who are not a bad outfit in Canada. And um, yeah. So he was obviously obviously pretty good. Played for a couple I, of teams. In England. I remember I remember his debut, and it was it was a horrible season. We're away up in the northwest somewhere. I think it was from Morecambe, maybe Aki, maybe Fleetwood. I think I think Morecambe. And the news had come through that I think Shane Higgs had done something in training, and Hall. It would seem quite popular on the. I think if you're a goalkeeper, sometimes being on the bench makes you quite popular. I remember Chris Dunn. He looked so big and he was so loud encouraging the team. He was quite popular before he ever like put the gloves on. And Hall, I think, was quite popular. But when he went out there, it was like he's probably I mean, he's probably not that small. He's probably five foot eleven. But it was like he looked tiny in the goal, and we were playing into an horrendous wind. And he was kicking, he was taking his goal kicks, and they were blowing back. It was like Geez, this guy, and a bit like you know most keepers at that level who probably aren't up to that level, you know his shot stopping was really good. You know he made plenty of saves because we weren't a, a great side at the time under Boothroyd. Yeah, but it was like yeah he did not look like he was kind of capable of you know performing that level, you know for any length of time. And certainly when we I, I remember 
someone mentioning, you know, we saw him on the bench for Toronto a few years later. It was like, really? You know, <laughs> an MLS team. <laughs> Good level. Football's a funny old game. You've actually mentioned another underrated goalie, Martin, there, um, Shane Higgs, who Rossi uh, R. McCarthy on Twitter tweeted us. Um, Shane Higgs only played about three games, was brilliant in all three from what I remember, got yep. injured and then we never saw him again. I think Shane Higgs was on the books at Leeds at one point, so he had a bit of quality about him. Do you remember him, Martin, for his brief? Yeah, he was really, he was really, really I couldn't say that much about him other than he was really good. Had we started that season with... Maybe Chris Wheel. I'm not sure, but Higgs was. He'd spent a long time at one another league, league two side. Maybe Cheltenham, yeah. but no, he, he was excellent. He, he was excellent. And then you know you thought, all oh, things looking all right here, and then he gets injured, and you know it was just that season was weird. You know how if you lose a keeper to injury once a season, that's probably slightly above like the median. Um. And to lose four, as I think it was that season, maybe every time we do a little retrospective, I'll just go through that season. It was kind of interesting. To lose four all to injury, that is, you know, none of us here probably are, are massive fans of A.D. Bruthroyd, and he certainly seems to lead, lead a charmed life with um, jobs he's had since he was at the Cobblers. But boy, oh boy, that, you know, you cannot plan for that to happen. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um so that was a good one, um, Shane Higgs, uh, another one that sort of Martin mentioned, and also um, Rossi. So cheers for that, Rossi. Um, I might put some out on Twitter as like a little poll to see who's Definitely most got, got is, another been mentioned so far. Well, it was that. I mean, talking about sort of keepers getting injured in the season because I remember talking about Marlon Beresford that season, nineteen ninety one, which was Theo Foley's first season. Pretty sure Peter Gleiser started and finished that season. And then he got injured. I can't remember against who or what, but, um, yeah, it was a problem there. And Kevin Hitchcock, who ended up as a, um, I think he was on the bench for Chelsea in one of the cup finals, 94, um, came in for a bit. And then Marlon Beresford came in. And we climbed up the table. Marlon Beresford went back on loan to Sheffield, uh, you know, returned to Sheffield Wednesday, Gleiser came back in and then the team collapsed in the last mm. um, in the last seven, eight matches of the season. And there was something, oh, I should have looked it up, there was some sort of clean sheet thing going on with Beresford as well. Like four or five clean sheets in a row. No one had done that for a few years. And it was and like, right, like, here we go. Gleiser came back in and then the wheels fell off. Like but The wheels fell off and like his students, we, our season stalled. <laughs> <laughs> we need to shoot off now because we've been talking for a while i'm i'm about to do i'm just gonna go up to six fields do a john taylor i'll take a piss up the stand hopefully give us some good luck for saturday but you guys take it easy and um, we'll talk again next week brilliant cheers all cheers mate See ya. Guys. bye catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.